All right, so in light of what we've been learning along with our kids this week, we're going to take a little break from going through the Gospel of John. We're going to be in the book of Daniel this morning. We're going to be in the book of Daniel, and we're going to, if you want to find your Old Testament, you remember the Old Testament? That's going to be in chapter 6, and we're going to be finding ourselves starting at verse 10. I'm going to read a story that uh, we lived, uh, we immersed ourselves in this week, and maybe it's one that you're familiar with. It's one of the most uh, well-known stories in all of Scripture, but it's a profound story, and I'm hoping that God will bring it to life for you again this morning. Uh, Before I read it to you, let me pray, and then we'll dive in. Lord Jesus, I pray that as we uh, reflect on your word, that you'd make us the good soil. Lord, that uh, when your seeds land within our our hearts, that it would grow beautiful spiritual fruit um, that would not just be for us, but would be for uh, for the people around us, uh, for the ones we love, and for our neighbors, um, and ultimately for the world. So help us now to open our hearts and our minds to all that you would have for us. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Okay, we're going to be Daniel chapter 6, starting at verse 10, says this. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human human being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed, and he was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and the Parisians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, 
Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angels and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. Okay, so a familiar story, but just let me give you a little bit of background on what's going on here in this time period in the Old Testament. This is a story that's extremely old, and yet it endures, right? The principles of the story are really applicable to us today, just as they were in 597 B.C., when this story took place um, and, and continued on from there. And this story really captures what was happening in uh, the spiritual world uh, of Judah. And uh, you may know the story that King Nebuchadnezzar had attacked in 597 um, Judah and uh, the surrounding 12 tribes of Israel, which we have represented here, and began to usher off thousands of uh, Jewish people, Hebrew people, off into Babylon. And one of the tactics that Nebuchadnezzar used in order to um, occupy and to conquer slaves that he had conquered, like these Hebrew people, was to select the best and the brightest. Um, in fact, many scholars point that out that, that, um, that Daniel was uh, Hezekiah's son, and so he actually was... Um, already of royal lineage. And he was taken to Babylon, selected because he was one of the best and the brightest. And the goal was to take Daniel and his friends and to, by force of pressure of the Babylonian culture and custom, to get Daniel to assimilate to the Babylonian culture. And if that was accomplished, then Daniel could become a leader of those who were in exile for the Babylonians. And so this is a story about somebody who has their back against the wall, um, that all their pressure is going one way and in one direction of the culture, and yet we see in the story why Daniel's example um, to cut against the grain and to be defiant against the dominant culture and the dominant uh, strain of the time and his time period, to go against what would have been easiest for him, to go against what would have would have been most comfortable for him. He's willing to continue um, to maintain the culture and customs of his home. Um, In fact, in this story, we read that his practice, his prayer practice, was that three times a day, no matter what, that he would point himself towards Jerusalem, towards uh, the Holy Land, the place where he believed that God dwelled and he would pray. And time and time again, he was called into question for this courage, right? And, and we don't live in a time where 90-foot statues are being erected to King Nebuchadnezzar, but we do live in a time where there's a 1,000-foot skyscraper not too far from here. And there's an arena that holds 20,000 people named after cryptocurrency, right? 
And so there are ways in which we can, even though this is a really old story, draw out some of the principles here about what it's like to live in a culture that's going one way, um, but then earnestly wanting to seek after the heart of God. And so how do we do that? How do we maintain culture and practice um, that looks more like what's in the scripture than it does what's outside of uh, these church doors out in the world. And as our culture, especially in a place like Los Angeles, it's our urban uh, environment, continues to sort of change and, and, and get more uh, uh, difficult to go against the grain of as it has this buzz and this momentum that's pushing in one direction, it's more important for us to look at places like Daniel where uh, exile is the experience and the context, the location by which um, the people of God found themselves in, this, uh, in that time period. Because in some ways, that's the experience of those who are choosing to worship God in Los Angeles in 2023 is that in some ways we also feel like whatever we were rooted in that, that we had at one time, this homeland where everybody was sort of culturally pressured to go to church and be a good church-going person, has now been uprooted. And so we have to uh, learn uh, what it means to live in exile. What does it mean to be a people of God in a dominant culture that no longer views itself as worshiping the one true God. And so Daniel shows us, right, that one of the biggest things that we could do is just simply to take on a practice. That one of the ways that we maintain identity is to take on a practice, a prayer practice. What a beautiful thing. Uh, on session, we just have a simple prayer practice that we're doing together where we try and pray for somebody who's hurting within the congregation together three times a day, simple short prayers um, in the morning and noon and in the evening time, just as a way to remind us that we're growing spiritually together, that we are in charge of caring for the church together, and it helps to remind us wherever we are, whatever we're about in our day, that, that this is what we're rooted in, this is what our identity is. And, you know, there, there's a lot of challenges to living in exile, but there's also great promise. In fact, it's one of the best uh, teachers in all of Scripture. We see that uh, in times of comfort, in times of great blessing in the Scriptures, that it's typical that the people of God begin to drift and lose their way and become more comfortable with the dominant cultures around them. But when exile happens and they're uprooted, that there's this deep refining, this great testing that takes place, and there's a discovery that happens. That discovery is the providence of God. And this week I got to be uh, Daniel for all the VBS kids, and I dressed up and uh, we had some skits every day. And on the first day, we just explored how Daniel refused to eat from the table of the king, which was 
a great uh, courageous action and I had little carrots that I gave out to all the kids. So these carrots somehow got imbued with special powers. And one of the kids, it was the first day and they, they were really nervous, one of our little kindergartners. And they came up to Daniel and told Daniel how they were feeling a little nervous at VBS. And so Daniel decided what he would do is just take one of these uh, carrots that was Daniel's food and say, maybe if you have one of these carrots, it'll just fuel you, you can have some of my food. And so she took the little carrot and she ate it and she was filled with courage and she went back off to her classroom. <laughs> right? And it was just this little simple thing, this little small practice, right, um, that, that, that reminds us that God is with us. We need these reminders uh, throughout our day that God is really with us. No matter what we're going through, when things change, God is with us. And the two big questions on the first day were, what is it, what, do you, what would you miss most if you got taken from your home and you were put into a new land? What would you miss most? And of course, you can imagine all the sharing was about their dogs and their lizards and their fish and their family and their comfortable bed and all the things that you could imagine that if you lost your, your home and you had to go somewhere else, that would be really scary. And then we had some really honest kids that even shared that they had had an experience like this, that they did have to move and it was really hard and it was a big challenge for them in their life. Then we asked another question, which is what is the biggest challenge that you're facing right now. And I can tell you that after being at a camp with teenagers and being at VBS this last week, that kids, our kids, this generation is going through a lot. Um, and there's a lot of hurt. And unfortunately, our kids are not spared from the hurts and pains of the world, right? And, and so I sat there dressed as Daniel uh, listening to these little kids tell me about some of the real hurts in their life and explain to me what was difficult about being a kid in 2023. And, and it was real. And, and so it was so important that after they did that sharing that we shared the memory verse for that day, which was from Hebrews 13.5. It says this, For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. And as they shared their difficulties, to share that verse with them felt like a beautiful thing to speak directly to their heart, to just let them know that, you know, God doesn't prevent every bad thing from happening in the world, but God promises that no matter what happens, that he will never fail you, that he will always be there with you. That's an important lesson to learn in exile, when things are difficult. And one of the most famous stories in the book of Daniel really accentuates this point, right? You remember his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I got to tell this story as well to our little ones, and it was really fascinating because, of course, this is like a pretty intense story in the Old Testament, right? 
And so one of the things that the curriculum called for was to light a little scroll on fire in the middle of the skit. We thought that was a bit extreme. We had the fire extinguisher out. Um, and as we, uh, we lit this scroll on fire each time, we saw the kids' imagination light up and get a little afraid. And of course, our little ones were most afraid. And the other thing that would, what we were doing is that we were pretending that the, the story was unfolding of the fiery furnace and the king making the furnace hotter and harder was happening just outside the window. And so we would go look out the window and then we would report back about the story. And so as we got finished uh, on that day, one of our little ones, our precious little ones, refused to go outside. <laughs> she was like, there's no way I'm going out there wherever that fiery furnace is. Absolutely not. And she was a little nervous for Daniel and she came up and gave Daniel a hug. Um, but then with some of the older kids in the second grade, we did the exact same skit. And you can imagine it went a little bit differently. So like as Daniel approached <laughs> going outside to look again outside to see what was happening, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, one of our second graders got up before Daniel and walked right outside to look outside before Daniel got there and, and then to rush back into the classroom to report back to everybody. There was absolutely nothing going on outside. <laughs> and so then I had to, you know, had to have some dramatic interplay with, with our young second grader about how he how Daniel could see it even if he couldn't. <laughs> and of course, my mom thought that was righteous payback from all of my uh, bad times <laughs> as a VBSer. But you know, I, I just want us to, to think about the story Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego for a sec, because it has this great theme that we saw in our story as well, right? Which is, that in the mouth of the Babylonian king who built a 90-foot statue to himself and commanded that uh, a mesmerizing rhythm should be played and everyone should bow down, um, in the mouth of that guy who made the furnace hotter and hotter and hotter, that as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into the fiery furnace, we see the king counting. And he counts one, and he counts two, and he counts three, and then he counts four. And he discovers one of the most important things that any human being could ever discover, that even in the fiery furnace, God is with us. Emmanuel is with us. Um, the Archbishop uh, Desmond Tutu has an amazing quote because in the midst of the apartheid, um, he really drew on this uh, teaching of Daniel and drew courage to stand up against um, the racist uh, apartheid culture that he was born into. And so this story became a living story for him and for Nelson Mandela and the people that were a part of just making uh, equal rights for um, all people in South Africa. He writes this. 
our cares, our God cares, for this God is Emmanuel, God with us, who joins us in our dumbfounded speechlessness and bewilderment, and this God does not give advice from a safe distance, but enters the fiery furnace of our anguish, and God wipes away our tears. The God who knows us by name, from whom nothing, not even death, can separate us. Wow. Do you know this God? Do you think about the things that you're facing? Do you know this Emmanuel, this God who is with you, no matter where you go? Um, I just want to do a little imagination practice since, since today is about kids and uh, their imaginations are so powerful. There's a really, uh, really cool spiritual practice that was started in 1491 by a young man who was in the military, in the Spanish military, and one day his leg was completely destroyed by a cannonball. And so he was forced to sit in a hospital bed. And in, in 1491, there wasn't a lot of extra reading around. So the only thing that he had to read was the Bible. And he read it over and over and over and over again until one day he decided, okay, I'm not just going to read it. I'm going to imagine myself in the story. Um, and his name was St. Ignatius. And he developed this practice that Christians have been doing since that time where uh, we can read the story, but then we can also imagine ourselves in the context of the story. And as I was thinking about, as I reread the story of Daniel and the lion's den and the imagery of the story, it was really powerful to me. And so what I really want to do for just a, a few moments together now so I want to invite you, if you'd be willing, um, to use your imagination to close your eyes and to think about what it would be like uh, in the story. And we're going to use our senses in order to imagine what it would be like in the story of Daniel and the lion's den. So imagine uh, now that the king has got you in trouble and you've been taken away. You've been taken to a pit of lions and put at the bottom of the pit. What does it, what does it look like down there? Does it smell like down there? What are you feeling as you are in the pit? What comes to your senses? What thoughts and feelings? As a stone is rolled over and you're just there with dangerous, wild animals that are deathly. And then some time passes and you begin to notice that 
that these lions aren't attacking you. And then let me ask you the questions I asked our young ones this week. Just in your mind, maybe you can think about this as you imagine yourself down there in that pit. What is the biggest challenge you're facing right now? What do you really need God's help with? What are you afraid of? And then some more time passes. And you, you can see that you're going to be fine. So what are you thankful for? What kind of gratitude do you have as the night passes and the morning breaks and you hear the king's voice calling out, Daniel, are you in there? And as the stone is rolled away and you come out of the pit, rejoicing, thanking God for his providence. Lord Jesus, as we prepare now for communion, I ask that you would be God with us, Emmanuel, the one no matter what we are facing, what we're going through today, that we can hold fast to this great truth, that you are the one true God who's here to help, here to care, here to provide. Precious and holy name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.